0: Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us.
1: All right, today's a big day because we're concluding this dynamic book called Daring Greatly. And I don't know about anyone else, but this has been a deep spiritual exploration. Uh, touched my heart, I know in our connection circles, our conversations have been so meaningful. So let's just look a little bit, I'm gonna move this just slightly, at where we've been up until now. We looked at aspects of what it means to be vulnerable and Brene Brown shared with us that it means being emotionally available, being willing to take reasonable risks, and being comfortable with the unknown, accepting ambiguity in our life. So those were the three aspects of being vulnerable. Then we looked at the scarcity consciousness that exists in our culture today that breeds the not enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not successful enough. It's just simply not enough. And as a result of that feeling of not enough, it breeds Shame. And then we looked at shame as that thing that just shuts us down. We simply are not able to be our authentic self because we're afraid of being ridiculed. We're afraid of someone not liking us, not being accepted. All of those fears inhibit our ability to be the gift that we heard in our lyrics today. So, Brene has shared with us a great gift. Where we're going today is we're looking at vulnerability as using that as a catalyst for change. That that whole willingness to be vulnerable, and remember the three aspects, is we can use that as a catalyst for change. And in the time that we share together, I have three specific real world examples that I'm going to be sharing with you. But I cannot think of the word change without thinking of the words of Gandhi. And that is, be the change you wish to see in the world. He didn't say do. He didn't say go out there and take a whole lot of action. He said, be the change you wish to see in the world. So vulnerability is about being our authentic self. So let's take a look at these three real world situations. The first one has to do with when I was hired by a contractor to deliver an economic self-sufficiency program. Many of the, well, all of the students were receiving benefits, and the whole purpose of the program was to help them become economically self-sufficient so that they were able to provide for their families when their five-year maximum of benefits ran out. And it it was designed as a pre-employment training. So the original curriculum looked like, you know, resumes and interviews. Well, day one in class, I realized this curriculum just was not um, appropriate. Because in the afternoon, when I was sharing some opportunities of how we could spend our time, like do we want to do this or do we want to do this, one person raised their hand and she said, I think we should all take naps. (laughs) Well, I'd been teaching in a college classroom and I wasn't accustomed to naps being part of the curriculum. And so I said, well, for today, naps aren't aren't, aren't part of what we're going to be doing together. I later discovered, though, that this individual had lost her housing because she'd lost her benefits, was moving from one place to another, and the night before she'd been in a home where there'd been a lot of partying, a lot of drug activity, and a nap was really what her body needed. It wasn't about preparing a resume, it wasn't about what's the best interview approach and how do I have my five, my, my one minute, what you might want to call miracle in an interview so that I, my selling proposition, it wasn't any of that. And so I went home that night, and I thought, this was self-preservation because it was so hard to get participation. I went, what's the one thing that unites every student in that classroom? What's the one thing that I know, whether they've been in a gang, whether they're in recovery, whether they've been victims of domestic violence, whatever that situation, what's the one thing? They were all parents. And I went, it's the children So the next day I walked in and I said, we're scrapping the curriculum, we need to have a conversation about how we're going to be sharing our time together. And so I asked them, I said, "Um, each person here is a parent, right? And they all said yes. And I said, what is it that you want as a parent? And they all agreed that they wanted the best they could possibly provide for their child. So then I asked them, and I said on individual post it notes, and each person had a pad, I said, write as many reasons as you see yourself as the first and most important role model for your child. And it's really sad. There were very few responses. They did not see themselves as the first and most important role model for their child. They saw the system telling them what to do, controlling their life, telling them where they could go, where their children could be educated, how much money they had available. They didn't feel empowered at all to be the parent, the wholehearted parent that they wanted to be. When I saw that, I said, all right, this is supposedly a class about preparing for employment. I said, what if we just scrap all that? What if we spend our time together, building the skills to be the first and most important role model in your child's life? And oh, by the way, part of that is being able to provide for your child financially, but that's not our focus. The transformation in the classroom was amazing individuals that case managers had referred to that class that shared with me, this person never completes anything. I'm really concerned because her time is running out, but we don't know what we're going to do. None of that transpired. People that um, chose not to change their behavior in terms of drug use or um, follow language in the classroom, they were asked to leave and sign up for some other class. They were not welcome. And it wasn't me that was doing the classroom enforcement. The culture was maintained by the students because it was of value to them. What we did in that situation together was we became vulnerable. I, as an instructor, said, We're scrapping this curriculum. This is not what we're here to do. They were willing to entrust me to build skills, to help them build the skills to be that first and most important role model for their children. Now, Ernest Holmes would say, How do we know something works? Demonstration. Well, in my part time job at Fred Meyer, you know, it's an open store, so people come and go. Constantly, previous students are coming in. The other day, the person that the case manager said would never complete a program, she did complete the program, but she came in to, and she said to me, Marilyn, and she gave me a great big hug, and she said, it's been three years since I've received public assistance. I own my own child care center. And she said, I and my child are completely economically self-sufficient. One day, a student walked in and she had her son with her. He's now seven. And she said, Marilyn, I just wanted you to meet my son. And I said, oh, he's so sweet. And she said, this class that I took changed everything. And so I kneeled down and I said to her son, I said, your mother speaks very highly of you. She always spoke in class about how much she loved you and how important you were. And like with labradoodle, big brown eyes, he looked at her and he said, I know. <laughs> this is how we can be vulnerable and transform curriculum from something that's a have to do to a want to do to not doing in the world, but being an authentic, heartfelt, wholehearted Parent. Economic self-sufficiency, as Nancy read in our um, prayer today, is necessary for a non-violent world to exist. Each of us must be vulnerable in order to move towards allowing parents to be the first and most important role model in their child's life. The second situation happens to be a personal situation. It has to do with employee, employer. And remember that beautiful ceremony that our practitioners in training put on as we launched the season for peace and nonviolence. There was a lovely meditation, beautiful readings, and when I left here that day, I was feeling peace. Well, I happened to go to work that afternoon, and something happened that has never happened in my life before. A customer literally, verbally assaulted me. This was not something that just, oh, she didn't like me. She threatened to slap me. She threatened all kinds of things. She was raising her voice. The unfortunate thing was that there were two supervisors and a colleague that witnessed it and did not step in. And so I relied on my training, you know, customer service, and I just kept saying, I'm just trying to make this right. I'm just trying to make this right for you. I wanted to get her out of the door. And so I was just like, and as soon as she was gone, another employee walked up to me and put her hand on my shoulder, and she goes, are you okay? Well, I lost it. I mean, I left the floor, and I'm just sobbing, and I'm like, for what reason are we expected to take this I said, our company values include safety and respect. I said, does that mean just safety and respect for the external customer? What about the internal customer? Well, Brene Brown talks about that when companies do not live up to their value, employees start to disengage. Well, all the employees that witnessed that started to disengage. We no longer trusted our management because it was left unattended for several weeks. I finally did talk to the store manager and there was a promise that there was going to be some training to date that training hasn't occurred. But in the meantime, debunking not good enough, the 28-day plan for expressing your authentic self as part of the Connection Circles workshop happened, and there are 10 of us that are walking through this process of not only embracing vulnerability, but also contemplating one of the seven spiritual qualities that Troward outlines, Um, Thomas Troward, who happens to uh, have written the theoretical underpinnings that influenced Ernest Holmes' our founder, as he wrote Science of Minds, says there's seven substantive qualities. They're life, love, light, power, peace, beauty, and joy. So we're doing something innovative. We've never done it before, but we said, let's try it. So every day we're contemplating one of those qualities as we look at what are the things that are contributing to our ability to be vulnerable and what are some of the roadblocks? Well, in week one, when I got to peace, I read an affirmation and it said, I affirm peace and deny confusion. Well, in that moment, I was like, whoa, I never thought of confusion as being an impact on peace. So that was week one, that seed was sort of there. Well, when we got to week two, there is within me that which knows what to do and impels me to act in accord with its law and order and its complete peace. Now, I had just written that from 365 Science of Mind in my journal that we're keeping, and the phone rang. I looked over at the phone, and I saw that it was my employer, and I went, ah, they want somebody to come in. I'm not answering that phone. She doesn't, she doesn't deserve loyalty. That was my attitude. So then I took my dog out for a walk. Well, you know, walking with the dog in the park, you get some ahas, and all of a sudden I went, oh resentment creates confusion in my heart center, which is a block to peace. I am not able to be the peace that I'm affirming today when I am harboring ill will. I got home and I called the, um, my employer back and I said, I'm not able to fill the... the." Um, Time slot that you're looking for. However, if you need someone on Saturday, I can help you with that. And her comment was, thank you so much for calling me back. It was heartfelt appreciation. Well, the rest of the story is that, yes, I did get a call yesterday morning, and that same person had inadvertently not filled a slot on the schedule, a critical slot. And asked if I would come in, and I said, I could do X amount of hours. She goes, that would be perfect. And when she left the store, she said, I am so grateful that you were willing to come in. What's in this situation? I was willing to be vulnerable. As I opened my heart, I recognized the challenge I was having with emotional availability. I closed my heart center to this person. And in so doing, I could not express my authentic self, which part for that day was peace. So what does vulnerability have to do with being our authentic self? It has everything to do with it, because when we open our heart center, when we allow ourselves to be emotionally available, when we allow ourselves to take that risk, even if someone has let us down, when we allow ourselves to step into the unknown, even when we don't know what the outcome is going to be, in so doing, we are opening up space for that life, that love, that light, power, peace, beauty, and joy that is our authentic self to express. It has everything to do with being the change we wish to see. So the third example happens to be a community example. And one of my assignments for diversity and inclusion in ministry was to interview five spiritual leaders about how they were making a commitment to move towards a multi-ethnic, multicultural church. And I was sort of grousing about it at our connection circle, like, oh, all the homework. And Consuelo Vasquez said, I can help you, I have contacts, I know exactly who you need to interview. And she was such a blessing to me. She introduced me to Pastor Mark Knutson. He happens to be the senior spiritual leader for Augustana Lutheran Church, which is a very large, multi-ethnic, multicultural church. Now, why am I bringing up the Augustana Lutheran Church? Because recently, Reverend Knutson was featured in an article about how to build an underground railroad in Portland, And it has to do with as U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement escalates deportation of undocumented immigrants under this new administration, there are about 30 congregations in the Portland area that are preparing to give sanctuary to fearful immigrants. Reverend Mark Knudsen is very large in this initiative. And what does church sanctuary mean? It means that you have the right to asylum in a sacred, holy place. That's the traditional meaning. In the uh, middle, um, looking for the word, middle ages. I was going to say in the mid-east, and I knew that wasn't right. In the middle ages, actually, sanctuaries had legal protection. They were under the protection of the crown, and so therefore they were legally left alone. That is not true of church sanctuary today. So what individuals and congregations that are preparing to give sanctuary, they are extremely vulnerable. They are opening their heart to be compassion. They are taking huge risks, legal included, and they're stepping into the unknown to embrace Taking a stand and living their values out loud. So here's what part of the article said: it said Pastor Mark Knutson has turned his church's steeple into an alarm. He grabs a thick woven rope dangling from the bell tower of Augustana Lutheran Church. He pulls. Deafening chimes echo against the brick. Reverend Knutsen says, that goes 12 blocks in all directions. When neighbors and congregants hear the signal, they will know to come and surround the church to physically prevent the deportation of whomever may have taken sanctuary inside. We will use our bodies if need be. These considerations are not being taken lightly. But what it shares is that vulnerability is that catalyst for change. This is a congregation that is willing to be vulnerable to take a stand against deportation of immigrants and to live their values. Vulnerability is that part of being the change you wish to see in the world. So each of us is a gift. Each of us is moving in this world, and I invite each of us to be willing to be vulnerable, to be emotionally available, to take reasonable risk, and to be comfortable and to accept the unknown, to accept ambiguity, that there isn't a one best way to accept that ambiguity in our life. And what I'd like to leave you with today is a poem that was given to me by a soul sister when my life was all falling apart. 21-year marriage fell apart, a business fell apart, and I was leaving North Carolina and literally stepping into a space where I didn't know anyone, didn't have a job, didn't know how I was going to support myself financially, but I trusted that this was the right thing to do. I allowed myself to be vulnerable. And one of my soul sisters gave me this poem and she said, this is how I see your journey. So I invite you to just take in the words. It's called, For a New Beginning, from the book To Bless the Space Between Us by John O'Donohue. In out-of-the-way places of the heart where your thoughts never think to wander, This beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered. Heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent. Wondered, would you always live like this? Then the delight, when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto new ground, your eyes young again with energy and dream, a path of plenitude opening before you. Though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm for your soul senses the world that awaits you. Let us pray. The infinite intelligence, the mastermind of this universe, the creator of all things, the alpha and the mega, and everything in between. It is the beginning. It is ever, ever unfolding. It is life, love, light, power, peace, beauty, and joy. This is the truth of spirit. And I know that I am of this master creator, that every aspect of my life is of this creator. There is no separation. And as I know this for the truth of my life, I know it to be the truth of each person here today, that there is no separation. There is only one, and each is an individualized expression of that one, that one life, love and light. So I claim and affirm and I speak my word for and about each person here today. There is an opening of heart and mind to embrace vulnerability. There is a willingness to say yes to being emotionally available. There is a willingness to say, I am willing to take reasonable risks. And there is that movement out of the comfort zone into the embrace of that unknown where spirit awaits the unfurling of your heart's desire. And so in this space, each person chooses to go within and access that silent partner that guides, directs, protects, and impels each step forward this is the truth of the authentic self that is expressing in through and as each person and i am so grateful for this truth god is all there is god is expressing through the authentic essence and self of each person this beingness that cannot be taken away i am so grateful for this truth And I release my word into the activity and action of the law, knowing that the law is that eternal servant of spirit. It always says yes. And so with complete conviction, together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts,